Apple slips to fourth place in a list of the world's top smartphone makers after a record drop in iPhone sales. What's going on with Apple, Will? What's what's wrong with Apple? Is it over? No, it's not over. It's not over. Of course it's not over. That's not what these conversations are about. I told you this before in previous episodes. It's about the long game. Never coming out here and telling you that the world is about to like forget about Apple, that the iPhones aren't out in the world. No, like to be clear, this record low quarter, they still moved 35 million units. Willie do 35 million thousand a piece. I don't want to do the math. Somebody out there is going to do it. Uh, Rain Man, beautiful mind. You know how that goes. Uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman, you know how that goes. Dustin Hoffman, he's out there right now doing this math. <laughs> he's crunching the numbers. <laughs> 35 million, 35.3 million, to be clear, which represents 11% of the market share moved in that period of time. Now, the company that slotted in above them and pushed them down to number four is Oppo. So now you got Samsung at number one. Huawei at number two, Oppo number three, Apple number four, Xiaomi number five, Vivo number six. Now, to be clear, Vivo, Oppo, same parent company. You combine those two numbers, you get up to number two. To be clear. Mm. So that's a big player there. Now, they have them split up for the purpose of this particular chart, but they're on Huawei level. Now, the other interesting thing about this chart is how Huawei was able to hang on a little bit here, even amidst the uh, trade sanction, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Now, granted, the the trade issue may show up more in the next, in the following quarter, as, oppo as opposed to Q2. So we may see a bigger impact in the future. But we're focusing on Apple because iPhone sales fell at a record pace. And they fell 11.8% from the year a year ago, the same period. Do you see what I'm saying here, Will? So, people are obviously one of two things, right? They're not buying at the same rate. Well, that's happening for certain. They're not buying at the same rate. And one of two things, they're either moving towards another product or they're hanging on to their older product longer, which is probably what Apple would ha have you believe. Many analysts seem to agree on this. Also, part of the motivation to hold on to the product longer is this escalating cost of the new product which makes you look at your old product and say, you know what, I can get by. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to wait it out a little bit longer. In the meantime, companies like Oppo that have scaled up this list, they have, they have offered other products in, in different markets that don't have that $1,000 price point. So maybe the friction there when it comes to an upgrade is less significant than it is specifically for Apple. Now, again, there, there's all kinds of factors here. Macroeconomic. The cost of real estate got people stretched. Hmm. It's possible. So there could be more to the story. There's always more to the story. But nonetheless, you can do a comparative analysis just amongst these brands. And obviously, some of them, they play a lot harder in certain markets than Apple does. But year over year, Apple, they're looking at a substantial decline. Whereas companies like Oppo, they got a year, year over year number at 13% and a quarter over quarter number at 43% in the plus margin. So it's a big move up. You know, they go from quarter two last year to being at 31.9 million units to 36.2 million units. Like they 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 added five million units. You gotta believe they're doing something right to, to increase the number of units out there in existence. And to be clear, Samsung, they're up as well. And you would think, okay, well, Samsung, they're also playing in that premium space. They got plenty of stuff at a thousand dollars price point but keep in mind this is shipments of smartphones with that badge on it and we said what we said about the a series and all the options that samsung offers to cover out all the various potential places in the market they want to play all the potential customers that exist so they sit at 75 million units it's substantial will once upon a time you know apple was a lot closer to samsung in those overall numbers there's been periods in time where that's been the case and, but we're looking here at almost double the units moved by Samsung. Now, I know Apple fans are sitting there saying, well, it's not, a, it's not an even comparison because Samsung is, is, is moving this much wider 
product range than Apple is. But that ain't my problem. You know, that ain't Samsung's mm -hmm. problem. Like Apple can make as many phones as they want if they need to compete in alternative markets, if they need to gather more market share, if they see that as being significant or interesting or important. They can do that. There's nothing stopping them. In fact, I myself have suggested like the 10R could have been something different. Maybe it didn't need to be so close to flagship level. But of course, the problem with that, the way Apple looks at it, we spoke about in previous episodes, they say to themselves, well, we got these people on the hook for that, that major profit margin. If we give them a $500 iPhone, what if they all buy it? Mm. What if they all buy it? What if they're all like, yeah, we, we didn't even need OLED. Like, we're fine. Mm -hmm. you know, cool looking phone. We're cool with the $500 version. You got to be worried about it. So you're trying to find that perfect zone of like, how can we introduce these new products? How can we talk to these new customers? How can we talk to emerging markets? Well, not well at the same time, not cannibalizing our pre-existing customers who are prepared to spend that thousand bucks. So anyway, it's a record nonetheless. The other part of the story, Huawei weathering the storm, at least for now, in the face of the trade ban. One thing they can do specifically if the U.S. gets hard on them they can focus their efforts on a domestic market within China. They could even use the trade ban to convince domestic customers that they should be buying Huawei devices. They could say that they could put it on the broadcast. They could put the commercial out and say, look, be patriotic. Get the Huawei in the pocket. Mm. They could get out there and they could put out negative ad campaigns about Apple if they want to. I'm not, I mean, I'm not suggesting that they do. I'm just saying it's well within the realm of possibility. And you started to read stories emerging about like sort of, you know, people turning their nose. What are you doing with that Apple product? That represents, that's the other team. That's the other side. Mm -hmm. where's, the, where's the patriotism here? Get the Huawei in the pocket. So they could use that to their advantage, at least for domestic shipments and potentially in other places that where the trade ban doesn't exist to the same degree, places like India and so forth. And their sub-brands, using their sub-brands as well, brands like Honor, uh, nonetheless, I think we're going to see more of this. I think we're going to continue to move in this direction. The place has gotten so much more competitive. Will, we're looking at a smartphone every day from a brand that didn't exist, at least in our lexicon, you know, five years ago. And they're doing stuff that's like super experimental and super cool. Got y'all fired up. Oh, yeah. Got y'all juiced up, juiced mm -hmm. to the gills. Mm -hmm. That's you. You brought the puppies in today. Will brought some some like cute little puppies in today. Oh, yeah. Otis got his own pups now. No, people didn't know that. That's news to the world. Yep. It's really incredible. Vin, can you bring one puppy in here, please? Just real quick. I mean, I know we got to get back to the news, but it's all doom and gloom with the smartphone shipments. So you, you bring a puppy in and you just gloss it all over. Hmm. And all of a sudden it's all sunshine lollipops. So here we he picked one of the three puppies and he's marching over here. And you <laughs> could just go to Will's camera. Yeah, that's perfect. Just... Look at this little guy over here. He doesn't care about smartphone shipments. He'll use anything. Give him an iPhone. Give him an Oppo. Huawei. He doesn't care. He's got phone calls to make. He's got other pups to talk to. Anyway, what a guy. Will he do? Mm. What are you, a grandpa now? <laughs> I sure am. I don't know. All right. So there, so Apple's in fourth, fourth place now. Uh, I should also note other, other companies falling off the face of the, of the face of smartphone earth. LG... Year-over-year, year, minus 21%. Motorola, year-over-year, year, minus 17%. Whew! Good low. Good lot. That's rough. So anyway, things are moving. They're shifting. It's beautiful, though. Mm. Like, that's the thing, Will. You see this? Just the competition over here. This brings the stuff out. This gets the good stuff out there. So let them play. Let them play the game. Speaking of playing the game, I was just talking about how, how Huawei has kind of, like, Kind of hung around. Oh, you got a big smile here. What do you got going on? <laughs> Just the way that you said Huawei. Like Huawei. Huawei. You see? You I, I do that. The people, they ask me to do that. Mm. They say, get that H, make sure that Huawei. It's like you got to be in there a little bit. So I got a lot of, I got a lot of credit, positive feedback for that. A lot of breath coming. Yeah, so don't try to take me down a notch for that, okay? I put the effort in. They potentially now have beef with India. Well, my goodness. It just never, it's just not getting easier yet for them. It, China warns India of reverse sanctions if Huawei is blocked. Apparently, there's a storm brewing. Because India, like everywhere else, they're sitting there saying, look, we got a connected bunch of people. We got everybody's online. 
We got to get our 5G up and running. Very important. I mean, everybody's on the same page right now. And then the rumor gets out that the U.S., that they got an ear with the ambassadors and whatnot from India, and they're putting the word out like, hey, stay away. You want to be our ally? Take it easy. I mean, that's, they probably didn't use that language. And then again, I don't know exactly what these, if these conversations took place, but the speculation is that there's some kind of nudge going on that they should be selective, that their decision is being watched closely. You know, the geopolitical landscape, which is now deeper in the technology realm than, than maybe at any point that I've been alive that I can remember. So India is currently, they're being courted by the various telecommunications company, companies capable of supplying some 5G tech. I believe other ones in the mix. Of course, Ericsson we keep hearing about. Samsung apparently in the mix. And uh, two sources privy to internal discussions. This comes via Reuters. In New Delhi said India's ambassador in Beijing, Vikram Misri, was called to the Chinese Foreign Ministry on July 10th to hear China's concerns about the U.S. campaign to keep Huawei out of 5G mobile infrastructure worldwide. So they brought him into the embassy. Willie, dude, you don't want to go on that trip to the embassy. Guy like you, you know what they do to a guy like you? They bring you into the embassy. Let me tell you, it ain't going to be puppies and rainbows for you. No. All that news. I'm just having fun right now. I mean, I'm sure everything went well, but like they had a meeting and, 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 and you can imagine where this comes from. Like you're trying to, any business, you're trying to be out there. You're trying to get your stuff out there. I mean, if, if there's, if you're being held back in any fashion, if influence is being uh, used as you know, leveraged against you, you're going to have something to say. And so India being that next big smartphone playground already is, but continues in that, in that direction. That's a big contract. That's a lot of 5G. And so whoever gets this uh, piece of the action, presumably that's a bunch of business, obviously. Now, Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana, he's a Republican. He's been all over this Huawei situation. He's been all over this story. And he told Reuters for this story he, that strong-arming countries into surveillance and espionage was that's 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 how he that's what he described the Chinese government as doing in this case by by calling in this this uh, embassy member by calling in this Indian official that they were trying to influence him and I'm sure on on the Chinese side they're going to say the opposite will they're going to say hey uh, Jim Banks Republican congressman well you're just strong arming back with your comments. So India's getting strong-armed. They're getting all, they're both their arms. They're getting strong-armed. A lot of arms. Yeah, both arms. They're getting pulled in both directions. You want to play ball over here or over here? You're going to, someone's going to be mad at the end of it. You can't. It's a love triangle, Will. Mm. You experience something like that. <laughs> all of a sudden, you got the, when you got the tea showing up at the studio. <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> getting pulled in both directions. You got to make a decision. It's a disaster. It's a recipe for disaster, the love triangle. It's not going to work out. I agree. Yeah, it's not a good I thing. Agree. It's not a good position to be in. So you got to feel for India on that front, but you got to know as well, they're in it to win it. They're in it to play the game. They got to keep the infrastructure moving. They got to get on the 5G train, so they got to have these meetings, and they are going to have these meetings. And where this whole global situation maps out is going to be very interesting because now they're in the mix, and we get to see who they side with. They could have an entirely Huawei network, mm. or they could be more cautious. They could take the advice of the United States, double down on that, and really hurt Huawei in that department. So India now, major player in the U.S.-China-Huawei sweepstakes. I don't know. It's not a sweepstakes. But when I was a kid, I always wanted to take part in a sweepstakes because it just sounded like so much fun. Like not a contest, a sweepstakes. Didn't that sound so good? And did you? I don't know. I probably wasn't allowed. I think I'd be 18. I don't know. Sounded good. Mm -hmm. Sign up for the sweepstakes. Kurt, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, come on now. All right. Uh, Apple just dealt a major blow to Facebook. 
They're going after Facebook. They don't like each other that much. You know, Apple is big on the, on the privacy thing, Will. It's all about privacy. Do what you want, Willie, do on your iPhone. Because we Tim Cook doesn't, he doesn't want to know. Mm. That's what he told me personally. <laughs> he said that he said the stuff that Willie Do's doing on his iPhone, I don't even want to know. But no, that never happened. <laughs> so apparently, that this is all news to me, but apparently there's certain apps that have where you can make phone calls that aren't the official phone app, apps like Facebook, Messenger, uh, WhatsApp, and so forth. You can make a, you can initiate an audio dialogue back and forth with someone else. And those apps currently are allowed to work in the background. Now, those developers, they say, hey, the reason we need these to work in the background is so they, they function more effectively, they're faster, they have a bunch of reasons for it. Apple says, nah. That's an invasion of privacy. The fact these things are working in the background, we're going to change things with iOS 13 so that that's not allowed anymore. Kind of nerfing, kind of hurting these alternative communication mediums outside the realm of Apple's own products. They say it's a security thing. Okay, fine. Now, you're probably wondering, how can this affect me if I'm a Facebook call user or a WhatsApp, if I use calling on WhatsApp, well, first of all, both these companies are going to have to completely rewrite their apps for iOS 13. They just won't fall within the boundaries of what's allowed to be installed in their current formulation. So they're going to have to go rewrite their apps. On top of that, the, you may use them in some fashion currently where you leave the call open in the background and go do something. Like you may, I don't know, you have a WhatsApp call going, you go do other stuff. Essentially, it just the, the, those features got worse. Now, what's interesting here is Apple makes their own version of these things, right? They have iMessage. They have uh, FaceTime. FaceTime is their calling version. And that's not going to be affected. Do whatever you want on your phone if you use our product mm -hmm. in the name of privacy. Now, I think a lot of customers are going to be okay with this because Facebook, not, not the great WhatsApp being a Facebook-owned property, not the greatest track record for privacy. So if people come to find out, hey, that Facebook call app is like running your microphone in the background all the time, people are like, that's shady. I don't, maybe I don't want that. Now, Apple says app developers have until April 2020 to comply with the new rules. So there will be some time for them to rewrite these apps. But some people, including uh, this individual who wrote this article on Forbes, they think it's a shot at Facebook. Like, hey, Come to our rules. We're going to make your li lives a little bit more difficult here. We're not going to let you collect as much data and information on our users and so on. Mm. So there was a bit of a uh, there was a bit of a security breach leading up to this, in which Apple contractors were listening in on Siri calls, and then so maybe oh. this is also some sort of a backlash, some sort of a uh, reaction to that negative press that they're like, look, we're doubling down on the security measures. But anyhow, some are perceiving it as a shot at Facebook. It's up to you to determine how you feel about that. If you happen to be a WhatsApp call user, I am not. I'd like to hear your thoughts on it in the comments section. If you care, if you ever have it running in the background, I'm interested. I don't know if you heard about this one, Will. OnePlus is going to make a TV. Upcoming OnePlus TVs, which are going to run Android. And there's a new listing that suggests they're going to be between 43 and 75 inches with target markets in the U.S., India, and China. An odd move. Never expected to see a OnePlus logo on a television. OnePlus TVs have been spotted by a submission to the Bluetooth SIG, which I guess one of these registration things where you can see an upcoming product that has to register with the correct groups to you know it's coming down the line and the the only sort of details that have emerged are the, the size of it the fact that it's going to use led technology so no oled no lg caliber oled in these things and it's also described as a unique android tv which is kind of unusual because android tv of course searching for some degree of uniformity across different devices so what is unique about theirs? Did they get some special permission from Google to tweak the Android TV experience similar to how they've tweaked the Android experience on a smartphone? Maybe. I don't know. Now, I don't think the uniqueness 
of this thing is going to have very much to do with the hardware. My best guess is that they're going to repurpose some pre-existing hardware from some other manufacturer as frequently happens in the display world. Your TV panel comes from a handful of manufacturers and then a bunch of different brands get badged on top and the software uh, gets put on there accordingly. So to me, I don't think that's going to be the exciting aspect of this particular device when they do it. I think there's two ways they can play it. You got the the cost. They could come in and say we're the flagship killer like they tried to say, used to say on smartphones. Now they're getting really close to that flagship price point. But if they're just as aggressive with this product, they could come out and say, look at this price point. You can't deny it. You want our 75-inch model. They could go that direction. And then on top of that, they can go the software direction because I really think the future of differentiation, especially at the budget level or mid-range level of televisions, is how you interact with it. There is, it's so hard right now. It's like what, all these various interfaces, I mean, you've used them. It's like you got to remember and learn and then people don't even end up using the smart TV functionality because they, they put a separate box like a Roku or an Apple TV. And then it's like you got YouTube in seven different places. It's on the TV and the boxes and you can cast it from your phone. Some of them have Chromecast built in. It's, it's so many different ways to interface. It would be really nice to have uniformity on TV screens similar to what you have on smartphones. So it kind of, you start to imagine a direction, a path for a company like OnePlus to bring, bring that kind of a take to, to, a, to a TV. Imagine if a TV had something similar to this OS on the OnePlus 7 Pro. Somewhere where they tweaked it, a tweaked Android TV a little bit, and it really felt fluid, and you were like, imagine you started to buy a TV based on a software so that the software wasn't just a thing that you avoided using, but instead it was an actual differentiating factor where you were like, I want to have a OnePlus TV because it actually works for me. It has all my apps, all the things I want to interface with. I don't need to connect a separate box. That's, that could be a compelling argument mm -hmm. where you could get people talking. Plus, OnePlus has built up this cult following, not just in North America, also in India. I've seen it firsthand where the brand itself now has some clout, where people from a pride perspective might want to say, I got a OnePlus TV in the living room. Mm -hmm. So anyway, apparently the 75-inch model is going to be targeted at U.S. and China. The 43-inch version is going to be exclusive to India. It's going to have some form of Android TV on it. And it's going to be expected when? Do we have maybe in a year? Something like this. I don't know. It's this, super uh, early stages. This LED display technology, do you think it's cheap? Yeah. Yeah, LED, of course. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's going to be... I don't think it's going to be a big-time performer. I don't think that's the angle you can go right now. Making right. these things is hard, particularly in the OLED department. It's, like, very hard. I mean, even... Took Samsung a while. Like it's it's, uh, it's the the yield on these large form OLED displays is uh, is low comparatively to the more tried and true technology, right. and that's why you get these high price points associated with these things. And I mean, they're 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 it doesn't fit with OnePlus's brand to go out and try to make a right. you know five thousand dollar TV. Mm -hmm. It makes a lot more sense for them to take the tried and, tr and true tech. I mean, they could go to a company like TCL, right? Get a pre-existing model. Say, we're going to start here in this panel. Yeah. We're going to build the frame for it, make it sleek and whatnot. And then we're going to do the software in conjunction with Google. Now you got something interesting. Then they do the marketing. And now you got something interesting. So I actually think it's, uh, it's kind of a cool move. We'll see how it goes. But I, I do want the OS on TV screens to improve. Because I'm sick of bouncing between different menus and smart systems into the boxes I have hooked up. And yeah. there's just, it's like so many ways to interface. Jeez, man. And maybe with like a OnePlus phone, there's some sort of like cross. Oh, you um, know they can do something. You know they can do something like that. You know yeah. they can do something like that. I showed you this. This is, this is, uh, this has got to be the weirdest story of the day. Apple just released four YouTube ASMR videos trying to give you the tingles. Now, I mean, I don't consider myself an ASMR expert, but I would say I have experienced ASMR before, uh, but always inadvertently. Like anything titled ASMR, I'm like, ugh, I'm, I'm turned off. Like I like, 
is something just happens to be relaxing. It just happens. It almost feels like an accidental version of it, a spontaneous ASMR. I'm kind of into that. Uh, but like stuff titled it always felt like it's, I don't know why it doesn't work. Like for me, it's like if you say, here's, here's my ASMR video, I'm like, I, I don't want to be a part of your thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go on your ride. It's too produced. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. It feels concocted. And it's already such a fleeting and weird pheno- phenomenon, the idea of ASMR, that it's like any extra baggage around it can spoil the experience for those that are even capable of, of having it. But anyway, Apple, that ain't holding Apple back. They don't... <laughs> I just, I'm sitting over here on the top of the show talking about how they fell into number, fourth, number four in smartphone shipments. And they're like... It, we're out here making ASMR videos. Give us a break. This is art. Yeah, we got better things to do than sell smartphones. This is creative. <laughs> Tim Cook sitting in the office. He's like, okay, enough about the smartphone numbers. How are we doing on the ASMR front? Because there's big money out there to be had on the ASMR front. Like, both you and I, Will, when we first saw this, had the same feeling about it. That it's like too produced and too fancy. <laughs> To yeah. really embrace the ASMR culture of YouTube? Well, there's this one particular video about uh, wood shaving. And uh, there's no... what? What's the point of it? There's no goal. Yeah. You don't see the end of it. You don't see what he's making. Right. It's just... So you're you know, a guy in the world. Sure am. And you've seen you know so many different versions of what they're trying yeah. to do here on YouTube. And it's right what you say. A big part of the journey of a video like this, like he's scraping wood, is like, why? Yeah, you like want to see the completion of the It's satisfying. Uh, the project. To see an outcome is satisfying. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if they really got it. I don't know. The stuff, it looks very nice, but it's obviously produced. I think there's two ways to look at it. It's kind of cool that Apple's even acknowledging the existence of ASMR. Multi-billion, trillion dollar Apple is like, yeah, we're cool. We know ASMR. Mm. But it's also at the same time, it's like, should Apple be doing it? Like, or is it just meant to be this fringe weird thing? When when companies hop on board, I remember at the Super Bowl, Michelob did a commercial, an ASMR commercial with the two microphones. And for some reason, in that context, I felt weird about it mm. compared to the more typical version of it on YouTube. I don't know. I don't frequent this stuff. I, I don't consider myself an expert on ASMR at all. But I do like a fine video of, like, manufacturing a thing. We talked about right. that Leica camera video. Or if they're doing, they're putting together a nice Porsche and it's just in the factory. That, to me, has an ASMR effect. When you're not trying to do anything, it's just like, here is this thing happening and you're just a fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. Like, th- exactly. those, there's certain experiences that I've had like that. But, like, the whole ASMR community of, like, scratching the thing and stuff, that, that was never for me. It's not for you. That was never for me, to be clear. But Apple's in the game now. And apparently... According to this, this is their first season. So they got lots of this. They're in the content business now. Apple News Plus, Apple TV Plus, Apple ASMR Plus. That's the next, that's the next big move. $9.99. Make up for the smartphone gap. You see what I'm doing there? You see what I'm saying? You see how that goes? We're missing like we're missing $500 million, Tim. I got it. ASMR season two. Kanye standing in the Everyone's corner. Just like, Kanye standing in the clapping. corner. He's like, A- Apple collab with Yeezy and uh, who's their who's uh, Goldman Sachs mm. is their card partner and ASMR mm. combined. That's the future, as far as I can tell. Xiaomi, they're not uh, they're not like uh, closing up shop anytime soon. In fact, they're interested in putting out a 108 megapixel camera on a phone. 108 108 megapixel. Kirk, you never even took a photo of 108 megapixels. You're like lucky to get five megapixels out there in the world. <laughs> Ten sometimes. 108 megapixels in a smartphone. That's nearing medium format scale. Holy moly, what are we doing on smartphones? What's even happening anymore? Billboard. I'm gonna go shoot some billboards on my smartphone. You know, my social media posts are going to be billboard caliber megapixel count because I just don't know what might end up happening with it. Maybe Twitter is going to take my tweet and choose to put it in a su- in a subway somewhere. So I got to be ready. All my photos have to have the potential to be displayed that way. I got to shoot them at 108 megapixels. Uh, to break that down for you, that is 12,032 by 9,024 resolution. 
You can't even properly view that thing on your screen. I don't even know where you view it in full res. You don't. You got to zoom in to really appreciate what's going on with that thing. Uh, apparently, it's going to be used in an upcoming Redmi phone. Uh, oh, no. Sorry. They're going to put a 64 megapixel sensor in an upcoming Redmi phone. But then a future phone is going to pack a 108 megapixel ultra clear Samsung ISOCELL camera sensor mm. with that unbelievable resolution now they're not giving away too many details at the moment but it's like you know these companies are working so hard to differentiate from one another it's like some of these specifications are getting astronomical we just recently looked at the new galaxy note 10 plus 12 gigs of ram i mean that's like a a thing that's pretty common now mm -hmm. on smartphones mm -hmm. you're, you're 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 sitting there i saw so many comments rolling people like yeah when you're when when the phone in the video has more ram than my pc and like normally those jokes, I don't go for them, but that's just too real. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, it's right. A lot of PCs don't have 12 gigs of RAM. That's right. And a lot of cameras never made it to 108 megapixels. But what we're seeing now is that the smartphone is actually the delivery method for all technology. It, it seems to not matter now. Yeah. All camera technology has moved its attention to the smartphone, computational photography, all that crazy HDR stuff. Anybody that's working on the fringes of tech is in some, in some way, whether it's on the software or hardware side, having to figure out how their tech integrates with the smartphone because the smartphone appears to be the only gadget you're going to have. A consolidation of all your other gadgets into a single one. Mm -hmm. And that's what this, to me, represents. This is kind of that statement that, like, typical traditional cameras, are, it's over. If this thing happens, now granted, I mean, what would a co the cost of something like this be? How much light would you need? How big would the lens have to be to truly right. take advantage of this? How much light do you need for each one of these pixels? Because those pixels are going to have to be small because how big of a sensor fits into the back of a smartphone? Mm -hmm. see, you, see what, you see where this goes? Mm -hmm. Now you need more light, bigger aperture, big, more glass. How big is this phone? Yeah. Things get weird. There's a lot of trade-offs. There's so so much uh, engineering that has to go. Maybe it's just they just use it simply for like a daytime crazy zoom functionality like sensor zoom mm -hmm. i don't know i can't tell you for certain but xiaomi is it has shown it off they seem committed to the idea they're going to start with a 64 megapixel sensor in an upcoming redmi device and then after that all the way to outer space at 108 megapixels it's unbelievable what's that yes yeah, uh samsung yeah samsung's making a sensor it says there iso cell sounds so cool mm. Do you know SoftBank? You know the company SoftBank, Will? Yeah, in Japan? Yeah, SoftBank in Japan. They uh, Recently, their president accidentally revealed the iPhone 11 re release date. Oh. Yeah. He was just, you know, he had an extra coffee in the morning. Uh, a little pumped up. He had an extra coffee. You know when you're in Japan, they have the vending machines? Of course. Yeah, and and you could get the cold, you could get a cold coffee in the vending machine, mm -hmm. like the little little can. They're everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So he was about to go to the presentation. He had a coffee at home, or a tea or something, but a little bit of caffeine. And he was on the way to the presentation, and he hit the button on the vending machine for the little cold coffee can. But the vending machine, it actually spit out two instead of one. Now he, not being a very wasteful guy, was like, you know what, I'm gonna. Pound two. He told me coffees. this. He texted me after this happened. He said, "I'm gonna, you he know, I don't want, I don't want to be a wasteful guy. Yeah. So I'm gonna just down both of these. Then he gets on stage and he says, he said, uh, Tim told me not to tell you, but the phone's coming out. None of that happened. I have to say that now because that's an official. It's an actual guy. So I have to say that none of that happened. To be clear." But if you were to, if your stream cut out, if your video cut out right at that moment, you might think I got a text from the president of SoftBank, which I would love to get a text. So, Ken Miyuchi, if you see this, let's uh, let's have some of those cold coffees together in Tokyo. Anyhow, he came out and he didn't really say the date. It doesn't even really matter that much because everyone knows when the new iPhones come out. But he kind of like phrased something in such a fashion that indicated that the new iPhone was going to go on sale 10 days before the end of September. So, of course, we can just do the math. We can go back and we can figure out exactly which date that is 10 days before the end of September. That's typically 
when you'd expect a new iPhone, but he just said it. Now, he tried to backtrack after he stated that, and then he said as, later in the presentation, no one knows when the iPhone will launch. <laughs> you know how you do that, Will? You double down on the other side Yeah. when you may have slipped up beforehand. Now, we can't uh, guarantee... We can't guarantee that that's exactly you know that it's going to come out ten days prior, but it seems to be the case based on uh, this particular report, and it lines up with when you would typically see these things. So I guess if you are uh, patiently waiting for the next generation iPhone or an, an, a phone upgrade, and you want to see what the iPhone 11 is all about, you know when you have to wait until now. Now we can wait and see. We can wait and, and see if he's right. And then we can obviously confirm my coffee story at that point. So is he saying September twentieth? Yeah, that would be that would be okay. it, right? Yeah, that would be ten days before the end of September. Will, okay. Will, you're a man. <laughs> that was beautiful. That was so good. I was just looking at the date. Okay. I know, but the thing is, it was so good what you just did, because you just put it in plain terms. <clears throat> yeah, which I do always. Like I'm out here, I'm like ten days before that. Like why? Why am I saying like hype beast? Which why am I reading tech news on hype beast? I don't know. So I'm like, I blame 20th? Google. I blame Google News, but shout out Hype Beast. Mm. Like they've posted our stuff in the past. Yeah. So we're all. It's all cool between us. But it, it's funny they're, they're posting more on tech, and this is actually an indication of how tech has has become a, a, a sort of an unexpected culture item. That you got Hype Beast, a fashion blog, or at least it started that way, or I guess maybe they wouldn't even call themselves that. What would they? What would Hype Beast call itself? I don't know. Culture blog. Anyhow, yeah, look, they, they showcased the $30,000 gaming setup, complete with massage function. They, they posted our video, so shout out to Hypebeast. Anyway, they said 10 days before the end of September, because I believe that might have been his actual language, but then we got Willie Dude to go backtrack and find a date. He's able to subtract 10 from 30. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I was looking at the article. I wasn't paying attention. The Hype Beast article also says September 20th. So they did the okay. math as well. Okay. It's funny that the, they, they start out at the beginning by saying 10 days before. He inadvertently noted that the upcoming flagship phone is set to go on sale 10 days before the end of September. So I think they're trying to be completely accurate. Like those were his words, not September 20th. I mean, are we in some conspiracy theory land here? Because is there any way in which that's a different date? Why would he say it like that? There's 30 days in September or 31. Is it 31? See, I don't know. I'm just saying it's getting a bit weird in here right now. I sense aliens. There is 31 days. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> okay, around the 20th. Stop it. <coughs> Shout out Hype Beast. Shout out president of SoftBank. The offer's still on the table. Cold coffee, Tokyo, anytime. Touch ID will reportedly return to iPhones in 2021 with Apple's new in-screen fingerprint sensor. So maybe Face ID wasn't the be-all, end-all, only way to unlock your device. Maybe not everybody liked it. I don't know. Maybe they were waiting for the right tech to come out on the end screen because we've seen an, um, a major improvement in the end screen fingerprint scanners recently on the Android side. Maybe Apple was waiting, sitting back, waiting. Well, apparently, according to your favorite Apple leaker, Ming-Chi Kuo, via 9to5Mac, Apple's going to release an iPhone in 2021 featuring both Face ID and Touch ID on the same device. and But instead of having a home button like you would have, you know, the usual Touch ID, the thing they used to call Touch ID. They'll just move the Touch ID terminology over to the in-display, in, in in-screen fingerprint scanner. But apparently they're going to do so beyond the existing optical tech that you're seeing in most smartphones and use a similar implementation to what Samsung is doing in the Galaxy S10, S10 Plus, uh, I guess also the Note series now, with the ultrasonic fingerprint mm. scanner, which apparently... Is, is, is more secure, the technology that's in use there, ultrasonic waves, three-dimensional map, as opposed to just a picture image of your fingerprint. Now, I think this is good. I think it's important. I think not everybody likes Touch ID. Kirk, you're on Touch ID right now. Or no, sorry, Face, a face ID. ID. You're on Face ID right now. It's the face. We did it upstairs. I was borrowing your phone. I'm pointing it at your face. It's such a weird UI sometimes. I don't know. There's moments where you're just like, uh, I don't know. And, and so... In other cases where I've used, say, 
a device that features both uh, some form of face unlock and a fingerprint unlock, you end up using both in different circumstances, whichever is the cool, like more convenient right. one at that moment. Now, granted, I stopped using almost every other face unlock because it turns out they're pretty easy to, 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 to scam. Like on the Samsung stuff, even this OnePlus, like you can just play a video and, and unlock the thing. So they're crazy quick and convenient, the face unlock on all these, but they're just optical. It's just an image. So you got to give up a significant amount of security to use them. But when I was experimenting having two unlocks, I would use the face sometimes and the finger sometimes. And it's, so, so it's nice to have both. And so this is the proper implementation in my mind. Is that now you have a, you could potentially have an iPhone in 2021 that you could use Face ID with if you like it, or you could use the fingerprint scanner if you like it. Now it is a bit late to the game, to be honest. Obviously, on the Android side, it's like there's so many in-display fingerprint unlocks at this point. We know Apple's a little slower to move on that front. And Samsung just recently put out the ultrasonic version, which may have been what they're waiting for. But nonetheless, if you're an iPhone user, I think you have something to look forward to here. If you're a guy like Kirk currently on an iPhone, you can imagine a future in which it's not just strictly your face to unlock, but instead you could get your ultrasonic on when you need to be a bit more discreet because there are times where like the, the, the person next to you can tell what you're doing and it's, it's, it's oh, are you lining your face up with your phone? You know what I mean? It's just a weird, yeah. I don't know. If it takes any extra second, it's a weird moment to catch you in as opposed to... Like this, for example, with the phone on the table, I can just put the thumb down and leave it. I've been doing this thing lately where I'll put the phone on the table to interact with it so it has less of a presence in between me and who I'm with. And so I'll just, I could be scrolling some emails like this. So I'm showing you that you are still pro more prominent than whatever this. And I get it, I'm still distracted. Everybody is. But I've been doing this more frequently now. On the table. On the table. Even, you know, you're, even if you're watching a video, it's kind of more social. It's like, oh, what's that funny thing you're watching? Mm. But if you do, if you're here, you're impenetrable. You got your force field up. Ta -ta, pa -pa. You see? So anyway, it's a mini rant within a rant right there. I'm just saying this is better. I think it's a good move. I think Apple should do it. Give people options. It's great. Obviously, other products do it. So go for it. I hope you're right, Mr. Ming-Chi Kuo. What do you know about Disney, Will? You know they're in the technology game now. Disney taking a run at Netflix. They didn't say that, but I'm saying that. They got this new Disney Plus bundle, and it's going to cost the same amount as a Netflix subscription. And CEO Bob Iger says, it's just a coincidence. We're not coming for the throats of the Netflix personnel. But you got the exact same price. Okay. So what does this mean? Disney streaming service set to launch in November is going to have an option that bundles it with ESPN Plus. So you get Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu for $12.99. Now, Disney, a lot of people, they're like, Disney, what, what am I talking about? Cartoons? What am I talking about? Lion King? What am I talking about? Disney is owns so much stuff. You have no idea. I mean, obviously, the Star Wars stuff. They have the sports stuff via ESPN. Disney owns a how much stuff does Disney own in the content game? Boatload. Ah! <laughs> That's right. Disney owns a boatload. And uh, they're trying to make a major play, man. If I'm Netflix, I'm like, geez, how many $13 monthly web subscriptions? You just highlighted Marvel. They got Marvel. Sheesh. 20th Century Fox. Lucasfilm. Uh, if you're like, how many subscriptions that are $12.99 can a regular person have? They're gonna at some point have to pick. Netflix doesn't have the sports piece, do they? Mm -hmm. They don't have the sports piece. Netflix doesn't have the like baked in inventory of that movie history either. Well, they gotta pay every time to license. They're probably, yeah, they're probably gonna take all that Disney stuff away. Absolutely. Well, if it's, I don't, is it already gone? A lot of it, I think, might yeah, be. Yeah, there's no more Pixar movies, yeah. Disney movies. Yeah, so all that stuff comes off Marvel Netflix, movies. so you, you effectively hurt the Netflix product as well. Now, we have a quote here from CEO of Disney, Bob Iger. I know that there's a lot uh, that's been speculated about us going after them in reference to Netflix. We think we're uniquely positioned because of the content, because of the brands. We're not. We're looking to, we're looking to occupy space. That's a growth opportunity for the company and growth in terms of consumption. So 
he's saying, look, it's a different product. Of course, this is what you would say. It's a different product. Don't worry about it. But I'm at this point where I'm like all the various streaming products that have emerged with their, their inventory of available content to watch and their price associated, we're hitting that threshold now of like how many subscriptions can you have? You have Apple playing in the space. Amazon wants a monthly fee. Your music streaming service wants a monthly fee. YouTube will take a monthly fee from you for premium to remove the ads. Hulu, if you don't bundle it with Disney, will take a monthly fee from you. Netflix, of course, will take a monthly fee from you. Are you going to have all these monthly fees? Then if you have a sports package of some kind, like the MLB network or NHL, NBA network, you're paying for that too. It's like, whoa. I think for a lot of people, there's subscription internet subscription fatigue going on. HBO, that's another one you're supposed to have. So I think people will eventually pick, and I think this will eventually affect Netflix. And I think Disney is just the company that could make a dent. They have that unbelievable inventory. You add ESPN to it, which there's not a lot of online streaming, all-in-one sports mm -hmm. packages like ESPN. And you give it for $12.99. It's catered to, like, everyone. It's got a little bit for everyone. Yeah. It's got a little bit for everyone. So I think it's going to be a compelling offer. I don't know how you everybody feels about Disney. I'm not, like, I don't want Netflix to fail. Netflix has been at, been at it for a while. I watch Netflix a lot. But it's definitely a battleground. And it, we're going to see how it all maps out very soon. Because it's heating up. And the traditional media powerhouses are recognizing that the future is online. And the future is streaming. And the future is every device. And now we're starting to see the manifestation of that thought process in the form of Disney Plus, which is happening real soon. And Willie Do showing off the Netflix stock here. It ain't so hot at the moment. They did miss their targets recently. So we talked a little bit uh, on the last episode of this, I think, about Ninja leaving Twitch. Mm -hmm. A big story, big story. People were trying to figure out, okay, how much money did he get paid? What's the consequence of this? What does this mean for Twitch? What did Twitch do wrong? What did Mixer do right? What's the Microsoft affiliation? How's this all going to map out? Well, we got some news here from Dr. Disrespect. I don't know very much about Dr. Disrespect other than the fact that he's maybe the major streamer on Twitch. Certainly the major one remaining post-Ninja. He, on one of his streams, says that he would also move over to Mixer if he got Ninja's deal or better. So he uh, essentially says here via stream. Now you can decide if it was serious or if it's, if it's, uh, if you know, if he's if he's making a joke or whatever it might be. But he was talking to his audience, and of course they had to be talking on the ninja topic because it so to totally overwhelmed the streaming universe, particularly on Twitch, in which he said it would make sense to ask for a large sum of money if he was going to change platforms. Here, but here's his quote: "Like I'm talking." I don't know what Ninja got, but it's got to be at Ninja's level or higher. I mean, it's just a bigger, stronger brand. That's how he's referring to himself in a form of Dr. Disrespect. But from what I understand about Dr. Disrespect, is he's kind of like this uh, uh, confident. Kirk, maybe you can fill me in here. He's got this like uh, macho, tough guy, confident vibe. So, of course, he would say something like that. Like, he's got the stronger brand than Ninja. Right, because of what happened at E3. I remember that story. So he recently got back on Twitch. But I mean, what he's saying makes sense. What loyalty does anyone have to Twitch? Like, uh, Ninja effectively moved over to Mixer, brought a massive audience with him. Do people really care what the platform is or do they care who's on the platform? I mean, it's obviously a little bit of both. It helps to be where people already are. But this, if you're Mixer and you see a lot, you see something like this, you pick up the phone. Yeah, it's like Disney Plus versus Yeah, it's Disney Plus versus Netflix. And the same thing could happen on YouTube and anywhere else. It turns out if you can secure the right content, you got yourself a business. Mixer started with Ninja, which is probably the right move, but pick up the phone. If disrespect is on here now as well, you got something happening, man. You got a major play in the game. Now, also chiming in on the matter was Ethan from H3, who used to stream his podcast on Twitch. Mm. 
And he has a quote from a recent podcast where he kind of sounds a bit disgruntled as far as his relationship or experience with Twitch. Here's his quote. They are not going to last. They aren't going to make it because they are short-sighted and don't know how to keep their talent because they are so cheap, which is shocking because they are owned by the richest man that has ever walked this earth. Talk about Jeff Bezos because Amazon owns Twitch. They are so, it's, although it's not always that easy, oftentimes the parent company doesn't necessarily release the funds necessary to these sub-brands. Like, anyway, there's there's probably a reason why that those finances are not unlocked. But nonetheless, they, I'm not saying they shouldn't be. They are so rich, he wipes his blank with $100 bills. So he used to stream on Twitch, his podcast. used to be live on Twitch, and then they moved over to YouTube at some point. So obviously, he's got an inside line on what those conversations with, with Twitch are like. Twitch is going to have to do something soon, or these kinds of conversations are going to turn into reality. <clears throat> It's not that it's going to evaporate. Twitch is huge. It's not like it's going to just fall off the map. But it's like if enough names pile up and move over to a platform like Mixer, at some point, there's going to be consequences, obviously, to the viewership and so forth, eventually. I don't know. Did you uh, see Justin's tweet? Who's Justin? Justin? So he's like the founder oh, of Oh, that's Justin.tv? Um, he, he owns Twitch right now and basically what uh he tweeted was rest in peace based on ninja's tweet which is like he's joining mixer oh so rip like you're done now yeah oh wow so that's uh justin ken all harsh. right click on his profile real quick entrepreneur and investor atrium okay he doesn't really or, uh yeah okay never mind no i don't know who he is click on his click on his uh Click on his uh, webpage there, justincan.com. I mean, maybe he's affiliated. Maybe he's been involved. I think he was like one of the founders. Yeah. Is he justin.tv? Because Twitch used to be called justin.tv, didn't it? So he may have been Justin. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Yeah. Okay. Justin.tv and twitch.tv. He's the co-founder of both of those. Okay. So you were right, Will. Don't worry. Don't panic, Will. <laughs> You're all good. You're all good. Like, I'm wrong. No, he's doing other things. He's doing other um, things now, so... But yeah, yeah of course, it's just really salty. It's very salty, but of course he's gonna say that. You know what I mean? What's he supposed to say? He's sitting there with his team or his guys, and they're like, "What does this mean? What does this mean?" You gotta come with confidence and say, "We're gonna be all right." Mm -hmm. But it's one thing to say; it's another to do it. You gotta lock up these this talent now, because obviously Mixer changed the game. They said, "We're gonna sign some big. We're gonna throw some money around." Money talks. Mm -hmm. You know this, Will. Mm -hmm. You know that. Uh, we talk about Tesla on the show. Of course, we have to. It's the futuristic car, the electric car, and so forth. Uh, they had the problems, man, up and down uh, as far as the stock market is concerned, as far as delivering cars, as far as generating profits. It's it's running a car business is hard. They're doing amazing things with these cars. Well, people love these cars. <clears throat> but we got this. We got an, another uh, issue popped up here on inside EVs. Tesla Model Three paint problems. So I've seen uh, Elon Musk tweet about this in the past, how difficult, like the paint shop happened to be one of the major slowdowns in, car, in the car delivery. The various coats that are necessary, like painting cars, it turns out is hard. They even removed certain colors to try to streamline the painting process. Now, presumably there's some degree of ro robotic paint applique, like you would assume it would be some automated component Maybe it's a mixture of, of some sort of auto automated paint robot and like human painters. And I don't really know, actually. And so I can't claim. But there's speculation based on this video that came out and this article that's been written that like there's certain problems with whatever the paint, the current situation is with how these cars are getting painted. That they're getting rusty early, that there's certain segments that are just unpainted. They're finding patches that still have the primer on them. And then they're finding areas where you can see the undercoat below the color. That's what he's showing off in the video right there, where he's just going down down the thing there to, towards the bottom part of the paint job, and he's showcasing how you like there's speckled sections where you didn't have full coverage of the paint. Hmm. Now, beyond that, there's a repair shop, I believe in Montreal or in Quebec, uh, where this guy's been noticing substantial paint problems with the Model 3 since it launched. 
in which he claims the design is actually a flaw when it comes to paint protection, that the way the rear end of the car, the shape of it pokes out, rocks getting flicked from the front tire are just chewing up that section towards the back end. Mm. And he's seeing so many models come in with paint damage that are requiring repair, even though they've been on the road for like 5,000 kilometers. So I'm not, for the record, like I'm not, trying to condemn Tesla. I'm just trying to get this message out there consistently that like making cars is is hard. You got to appreciate the ambition associated with it. Like going out there trying to make a car, electric car in America, holy moly, a lot to overcome there. There that that was the probably the best shot of where the the paint chips take place most frequently according to this particular video. I mean, that's a $60,000 car Canadian, Will. If you bought that and that happened after 5,000 kilometers, you're not going to be happy. Mm -hmm. Like, you're just, that's the bottom line. So there's these two ways that I have to always talk about technology and progress and consumer purchases, which is like the one way, which is you appreciate the ambition, you root for the companies to succeed. And then the other way, which is like, oh, what if you're the consumer who bought this? Because you're the one who's watching this show. And you're just, you're not going to be happy no matter how ambitious you think the company is if this is your actual vehicle. So you hope that they can get it together. And, and my understanding is they realize that the paint shop is a major thing they got to get right, thing they got to figure out. But another thing that, that, that it should give you from a, as a piece of perspective as an onlooker is that making, like, like I said earlier, making cars is hard. And it's not just a drivetrain, and it's not just a battery, and it's not just four tires. It's a lot of people, a lot of robots, a lot of automation, a lot of materials that come together to give you your eventual car. And it's unfortunate that it's unfortunate that this type of stuff takes place in order to get there. But these are growing pains, Will. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to go through this kind of stuff to perfect all these various little pieces that go into the eventual product that, that is a car. So you got to know they're going back to the drawing board and I think they'll get it fixed up. But hopefully in the meantime, I don't know, maybe they could put one of those, you know, you could put that protective plastic on there. Mm -hmm. Will the clear plastic? It's like a film. Yeah, film. If they could ship it with a film or offer that as an option or something, I don't know, maybe it could help to protect. Uh, on the flip side of that, Jay Leno recently came out and said he loves his Tesla. He went on CNBC, I believe. He went on TV, yes, yeah, CNBC, and said there's no reason, almost no reason to have a gas car. So this is a guy who owns a, a ton of, a boatload of gas cars. He's got that huge garage. He's got the show on YouTube. I love the show on YouTube, actually, mm -hmm. which is uh, Jay Leno's Garage. The new season premieres August 28th, so he's doing some TV press to promote the show. I'm going to do my part, promote the show. It's a great show, actually. I think I prefer it to what he was doing on a late night show. I like it. He's in his element. He loves cars. Uh, his quote here, I have a Tesla. I've had it for three years. I've never done anything. There's no fluids to change. There's nothing. I predict that a child born today probably has as much a chance of driving in a gas car as people today have being uh, driving a car with stick shift. So in other words, he's saying everyone's going to have an electric car. Everyone who's born today will have an electric car. That's how much he believes in the technology. I think it matters coming from him considering his background and his love for the gas car mm. and his options. He wakes up in the morning, Will. He can drive any, he can drive any of those right. cars, those classic cars, those luxury cars, any of those cars. He says, look, my Tesla's the future. Now, granted, I don't know how much he selects to drive it. Do you know what I mean? And he says he had it for three years, and it's super convenient. Mm -hmm. He could also have a ton of Tesla stock. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I'm not I'm not trying to make any claims on that, but I mean there could be other reasons why he, he may maybe the eco side of it. Maybe he thinks the world's a better place right. if everybody's in a Tesla in the future. There could be a lot of reasons for it. He may still select to drive other cars himself because he's an old school guy. But I think he has a point. It does feel like the future to me as well. So I I obviously see where he's coming from. Uh some more quotes from him. For new technology to succeed, it can't be equal. It's got to be better. Uh, he says, Tesla solved the battery pop problem. It can go from 350 to 400 miles at a charge. There's no maintenance. They're faster than gas cars. So there's no, almost no reason to have a gas car. That's his words. Uh, I suppose there's a couple exceptions. Tesla doesn't make every version of vehicle yet. They don't have a truck yet. So if you need a truck, well, there's a reason to have a gas car for the time being. But I guess he did say car. He didn't say truck. So uh, nonetheless, 
One, one last quote from Leno. Steam ran, ran everything from 1800 to 1911. Steam, like steam power. Then internal combustion took over from 1911 to right about now. And I predict that a child born today has as much a chance, and that's when he gets into that other part, saying that everyone's going to have an electric car. So uh, good for Jay Leno. He's out there promoting a new show. He's still doing it. Very cool. I don't know if you noticed this one, Will. Google overhauled image search results on desktop. They, uh, I just noticed this in passing, and then I found an article actually like uh, discussing why they did it. Yeah. So if you go to your images, Google Images, you're going to notice that search results are different. If you click on something, see that? Do you, yeah. do you notice how it's different now? It's right off to the side. Yeah. So, so now when you click on an image to preview it, you get a side panel that comes up. At first, I was, <coughs> it was very disorienting for me because it's been very similar to how it has been for a really long time. But now you get this sidebar, which has, a, has, has framing around it, which is, it gives it greater distinctiveness. And it also sort of promotes the site that it's coming from a little bit more. So you see the link there. For some reason, to me, it feels like I'm more likely to click to go to the actual site to see the source. In some cases, it gives you a little bit more information about that particular. Look up something like, uh, yeah, apple pie is a good one. Look up apple pie here. And what you're going to notice here, yeah, click on, click on any, click, pick an apple pie. Look at that. So it's a recipe, so you know it's from Pillsbury.com. You see most of the recipe there now because you have more text area available. You, of course, see other recipes listed below that, and you see the rating and the amount of time it's going to take you to make that recipe, all within images. Mm. It's, a, it's pretty amazing. So it's a, it's a nice little touch. Anytime, I mean, it's tough to change stuff that people are so used to, particularly to make it better and obviously immediately better, especially when someone's so used to doing something a different way. But I really feel like they kind of nailed it here. Now, at least in my limited exposure to it, I'm sure there's something that somebody hates about it because that's always what happens with change. But the other thing this allows you to do, Will, is to keep seamlessly scrolling on the left-hand side. So you can leave that link open over there on the right. Mm. Oh, only if you find a better one, replace it. Right, so right. You keep looking while you keep that one there. So it's like sticky here. Yeah, so you get more information. That thing is sticky. Way to go. Like Just a straight improvement. Do we all agree on that? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a straight improvement. It's a it's a it's a win-win. How many times do we get to say that in technology, software, anything? All right, last one for me, Subway. You know Subway's been struggling in a sandwich shop. Uh, they closed a lot of stores. They've been struggling. Uh, people they moved on. They went to things like Chipotle. Subway had the $5 foot long, which was like the mainstay, and then they couldn't deliver the foot long for $5 anymore. So they got got to get rid of the ad. You remember the ad? You remember the ad? $5 foot long. There's a jingle to it? I uh, every, every five, five. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, what the rest of it was. They had a $5 footlong. Vin bought it all the time. He's laughing right now. But how many, you, you probably had dozens of $5 footlongs, so don't lie. Uh, anyhow, they had to stop offering that. And they didn't have the same restriction from a franchise perspective with the geographic region uh, protection. So, like, if a McDonald's goes in, you can't... McDonald's won't let some other dude put a McDonald's franchise right next to yours. Mm. Subway didn't have that restriction forever, which is why you go around, it's like, Subway? Subway? These Subways are too close to each other. Even right here on our strip, there's yeah, too many yeah. Subways. Uh, and so what that meant was that a lot of franchisees were struggling and you have stores shutting down because you just can't support that many that are there. So they're doing all kinds of stuff. They're doing collabs. They're revamping the stores. They're doing a collab on a new milkshake with Halo Top. They're bringing in the Beyond Meat, which the the high tech, not meat, meat substitute. They're gonna have a Beyond Meat meatball sub. It's gonna be right up your alley, Will. Mm. Uh, so they're bringing that in to be high tech as well. And they also, I believe that they're doing one other collab coming up. Can't remember what it was, but they got a lot of stuff planned to try to revamp, to try to uh, save... Oh, delivery. Delivery's the other thing. They, oh, got, okay. they got the DoorDash and the Skip the Dishes, and they're advertising the delivery because that's actually started immediately. Uh, McDonald's, on the other hand, we talked about this recently, doubling down on meat. They got new commercials saying, saying come have a burger. <laughs> like, they're actually taking shots at Beyond... I'm telling you, look at the new Quarter Pounder commercial because they redid the burger recently. 
they went to fresh burgers, not frozen. And a lot of people don't know this. I think we talked about it on here. Uh, so they're doubling down on meat. They're like, why mess with a good thing? They're not letting beyond or impossible into the premises. And so they're talking about their beef, Willie do. And they're telling you to get yourself a quarter pounder, you understand? I might have to pick one up on Actually, the way out of here because yeah. I'm, I'm short for time. So I don't know. Maybe I had to double down on beef myself. It's quite possible. Uh, anyhow, that's it for me. Beyond. Beyond is taking, like these meat substitutes, if you're into <coughs> the stock market at all, they exploded. Mm -hmm. Like it's bananas. They went from zero to 100 to every fast food chain overnight. Subway now. Like, you got to understand, a deal with Subway is like, what's that order size look like? <laughs> That's a menu item. Every franchisee has to carry it. Talk about scaling. Mm. Woo! Anyway, that's it for me. What do you got? You got one thing. Short for time. Unbelievable. Talk forever. So many topics. The internet is happening. You have a question for us. Let's do a question. Here, here's a nice little question. I know you got a lot of question regarding on what which product was your favorite of all time on Unbox Therapy. But what I wanted to know is which product that made you feel connected the most on a personal <laughs> level. It's getting personal. For me, the Unbox Therapy Coca-Cola, because it shows you and the crew had made it. Mm. Oh! With your uh, face. The, on my it. face on a Coca-Cola bottle. <laughs> you know, that's a nice one. Can I go with that? Is yeah. that cheating if I go with that? That was nice because it was personalized. Every so often we get a personalized package show up that isn't just your, your your latest smartphone release, but instead is something more goes into it. We got a crate once from Coca-Cola, which had my face on the bottle itself alongside a retro Coca-Cola fridge. And yeah, that was odd to see the collaboration of a brand you grew up seeing like coca-cola alongside something that you put together uh in the form of unbox therapy it's kind of that's kind of a wild combination so i'm just gonna go on a sentimental level i'm gonna go with your suggestion unbox therapy coca-cola do you have any other ones will is there anything else that you felt had the same sentimental aspect to it it would have to be uh something personal yeah um the LG, that, that purple oh, thing that we had. Oh, the redo around. of the set or like one of those crazy It was like takes. a miniaturized version of Lou's computer. Yeah, that desk, was wild. couple shoes. You know what? You're right. That was bananas. I kind of lost my mind because I wasn't. Ex that was a complete surprise. It was fully customized. So I had this set up at my old office, which had like three LG monitors in it, ultra-wide monitors, and a TV above that. It was a crazy, it was a wild setup. Did you make a video out of it? Yeah, absolutely. I think I made, it was like a series actually putting it together. And then after it was all done, I got a package, had no idea what it was from LG. And then in, inside of the package was a mini miniature version, like hand painted of all the objects that were in my room in that video, completely unexpected. Little shoes that were matching my sneakers and objects on the desk. Is this it? Did you find it? Yeah, they shrunk my stuff. What a what a throwback. Look at this. I did not know what to expect. So there was a desk. You open this little box. Each monitor painted in great detail. My mind was absolutely blown. You know what? I changed my mind. Maybe this one was the one. The artwork they got. The little mixer. The remote control? Jeez. That was some mind-blowing stuff. Unbelievable what they put together on that one. So I'm going to go with that one. Willie do. Unbelievable. You want to end it on a sentimental note. Look at you. You put mm -hmm. that question together. You hit everybody in the feels, as the youngsters say. Mm. We're feeling again. Mm. And I hope that you're still capable of feeling too.